Hey guys, it's our 50th episode and we want to celebrate with you. We're doing a book giveaway. All you have to do is head to Instagram, follow us at booktalkmademe underscore pod, like our 50th episode book giveaway post, tag two friends who you think would love our podcast and let us know in the comments what's on your summer TBR. Who knows? Maybe we'll add it to our schedule. Two winners will receive a $25 Amazon gift card for your next summer read. Giveaway ends June 26th at 11.59 p.m. Thanks for listening and enjoy this new episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about everyone's favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, and wherever you're getting a good book. I'm Caitlin, joined by my hosts, Hilda and Bridget. Hi. Hi. We're back with HOSAB, so House of Sky and Breath. I had to like say it out loud in my head because I just know it as Crescent City 2. Um, we have covered Crescent City 1 in two parts in our earlier episodes. We covered Crescent City 2 part 1 also earlier. And I was just telling them like we just like shoot the shit for the first 30 minutes. So <laughs> it was a lengthy discussion. But we know so much happens in this book. And we want to make sure that we're dedicating all the time um, to what happens in the, the latter half of the book. So this is going to be your middle chapter. And we're actually going to break this out into three parts because I have a feeling this is going to be a very long recording already. And Bridget's going to take us all through it because we have thoughts and feelings and we're not going to cry. So that's a good good thing like we did at the end of Crescent City 1. Um, Boohoo cried. Right. Like it was bad. If you didn't check it out, go now. Oh, man. I, yeah, we really – like legitimately all of us. And I think it's because we can see each other. So like I see you getting misty-eyed. I see Hilda getting misty-eyed. And it's just rude to let someone cry alone. So of course now I'm crying. And Also, it's rude not to mourn the death of our bestie, Alili, oh, who Lahaba. sacrificed herself for the greater good and for her friends. My friends are with me. I'm not afraid. <laughs> Why do – Always. Why do our besties always you know die? Like sobby. Because the true besties are the ones that are gonna, you know, sacrifice themselves for us. Well, and you know that TikTok why. sound, it's like, light it up, Danica, light it up, light it up. And then it's like, my friends are with me. I'm not afraid. It's like all the SJM books. I'm like, oh, gets me at my feels. Um, I have not seen it, but send it to me so I can cry. You haven't heard it? <laughs> no, Please remember hold. I was avoiding all of Crescent City stuff. So if anything came up that said Crescent City or just swipe by. All I know is that Rune Dannon used his face as a seat, and that was it. So I just want to say for the record. (laughs) Sorry, it just took me a minute to laugh about that. (laughs) For the record, Caitlin chastised us about being super chatty and just like look at what we're doing. This is who we are as a people. I'm sorry. And I'm like, guys, we just got got so much to get through. And I'm like, yeah, we were so chitty chatty. We got to get through this. So please know, like, we try. But this is who we are as a people. Like, this is just, we'll just stamp. And here I am looking up the sound for light it up, so, Danica, light it up. Light it up, Danica. Light it up, light it up, light it up. To the dreams that are empty, you do not yield. Light it up, Danica. Light it up. You do not yield. I would actually Ugh. get that tattooed on my body. I, I think about it all the time, honestly. <sighs> well, they Sorry. got me emotional was, in two seconds. Was, Thanks. That's the sound. And I just, I kept thinking about it as we are recording the series because all our feels. So, Sorry. Bridget, go through the recap. So where we left off last recording, um, we, and when I say we, I actually mean Rune, Bryce, and Cormac are being attacked by Reapers. Uh, Cormac teleports them out of there. Bryce uses her sword, not her sword, but Rune's sword, and she ends up damaging or killing a few of the Reapers, and they escape. Now, cut into part two, which we're going to cover part two, the Abyss. 
um, and part three, which I think is the pit of the book. And then we'll talk about what happened at the end. So immediately out of part two, we are brought into Therian. It's always like random how her books kind of just jump from character to character. So we're all hot and heavy off of being attacked by the Reapers. Therian gets summoned by the River Queen and she's pissed that he asked her daughter out on a date above. Not that it's about the date. It's about going above out of the water. And I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? I, it is just a date. I don't above. understand their dynamic because she's like, want Therian to be committed to his daughter. So you would think a date with them together would be a plus, but he, she also doesn't want her leaving. Like, I don't – She has understand very, like, tangled and mother – what's her name? Mother – you're the Disney one. Rapunzel and Mother, what's Mother Mother's Gothel? name? Mother Gothel vibe, where she's very controlling. She's like, oh, Mother's no best. And kid doesn't want her daughter <laughs> Listen going. to your mumsy. Yeah. So I was yeah, getting right, that type right. of vibe for her. <laughs> it's a but scary it was so weird because there. isn't the princess a grown ass adult? Yeah. Not to mention, they've been together this 10 princess? years. 10 years. Okay. So remember, they live forever. So 10 years is not that big of a time. That's but also, true. I wonder if the River Queen is just a fucking control freak, narcissist, maybe semi-sadistic, and she's hoping that he'll die because he she doesn't want him marrying her daughter. It's weird, though, because sometimes I do get that vibe from her, but then other times I, I feel like she's trying to bring him into his actual new position, which would be like the prince. But I can never tell which way she's leaning that day, but it seems like she's a moody bitch. Like, moody. While she's this left- is happening, she's creating a full-blown storm above the water and everybody kind of knows, oh, maybe it's like another person who has elements to power and is just moody as fuck, which is her. It's her. It's her. Um, super weird. So let's just keep an eye on that bitch because I don't trust her as far as I can throw her, which is like not She's that up far. She's some shit and we're not sure what it is yet. She is. And so after the Reaper attack, Bryce decides that she has to go to the Bone Quarter because as we know, the Reapers tend to come from the Bone Quarter. And she just got attacked by a bunch of them. And even though they said that they are sending a message from the Prince of the Pit, Apollyon, she doesn't believe it. She's I like, I know track. the Reapers like, come the from the chasm i don't know where you're at but you're a princess yes, one of the many seven yeah so she calls jessica and she's like hey i need some death marks i'm gonna go over to the bone quarter and then jessica is kind of like are you finally going to start asking questions about danica or danica and she's like wait what do you mean so she hints that danica has been using bryce be, to be able to get into the library beneath the gallery because she was into some things and she caught all of it on camera of course just was not going to tell her exactly what she did but she's like here's this little clue i leave for you go track it down so now rune gets declan involved and declan and ian who apparently is really good at this it stuff as well they create um, a program to search all of the cameras and so they're searching the cameras from the gallery to see what danica was actually up to And then they're searching the cameras around the city to see where the Reapers came from because Bryce needs enough evidence that the Reapers came from the Bone Quarter. So when she goes to visit him, she can say, hey, your people attacked me, your things attacked me, and I'm here to call you out and I need answers. Right. So that's that whole drama. Flinging accusations with no – she's got to bring the receipts, you know? Because as we know last time when she did that in the last book to Sabine, Sabine was pissed and she retaliated in her own way and Hunt's feathers got cut off. Yeah, not great. So not great. While they're doing that, they find out that the Reapers were coming from the sewers 
and they entered the sewers around the area close to the black dock. So she has enough evidence to do that. While Declan and Ian are going through all of that, Bryce and Hunt decide they're going to head to the meat market because she needs to make sure that Emil is not there. And they meet up with Fury and Juniper. They don't find Emil at the meat market. They just do a lap and they head out and then they head back to the gym at their apartment where Hunt and her are working out. And then suddenly Hunt and her are doing... I want to say the nasty because as Hilda <laughs> called it last recording, swamp ass is definitely ass. a thing. So they're working out. She's in the middle of doing a pank. That He has some words with her and then full on he's just going down on her like leggings pulled off. Homegirl was breaking a full body sweat before then. She's definitely sweating now. And she even comments at one point. She goes, yeah, we're super sweaty. But you know eat what, what you want to eat, man. Yeah. Who, you know, don't, don't, we can't yuck his yum. Okay. No. He said tasted like he imagined. So good, good for, for you. you. <laughs> he, he worked out his tongue too. Yes, he did. The tongue yes. is a muscle. The tongue is a muscle. That yep. is true. And he seems like someone who well. would thoroughly work out, you know, his entire oh, yeah. body. Work all yeah. the muscles. Of course. Good for him. Um, I do like the fact that when all that was happening, I like when they used their wings to provide cover Let's for privacy. It. I think it's cute. Anyhow, so afterwards when they're in bed, they have the conversation of what are we? Bryce, even though she's technically engaged to Cormac, says, hey, I want people to know that we're together. Like, I want you in public because you're mine. He's like, are you sure you want people to know me, who I am, to be with you? And he's like, of course. So he proposes they use the word mates. And then she freaks out a little bit because she goes, well, in Fae world, Mates is a bond between the body, heart, and soul, and it's extremely important, and it binds the people together. And he's like, well, I thought that's what we're doing. Like, this is forever. And then we find out that the angels just call their life partners mates instead of wives and um, husbands. So they decide on mates, and mates is what they are. And it's like a super – it's sort of like the bonds in um, Akatar. Like your mates are like the super serious – there's nothing snapping into place per se, but it's just like there's a very, very serious deep connection. And to say that you are my mate is – you don't just throw that around. You wouldn't be like, this is my boyfriend, my mate. You'd be like, this this is the person I'll spend eternity with because we all live forever. Right. And so I thought because they just called each other mates, I didn't know if it was going to snap into place like we know from Akatar. So I was very hesitant, especially since I didn't know if Hunt – and I still don't technically know if Hunt is endgame. Um, so, it would be so funny to be like, oh, yes, this is my hus- my mate, Shannon. You know, like just be so funny to introduce not- your husband. <laughs> how do you think at this point Hunt is not endgame? Um, because now he's a slave. Spoiler um and she's in a fucking new world so uh i don't know do you know i mean the synopsis for book three is basically like i'm concerned about getting she's getting back to her mate plus her scent changes now remember that's where i was coming up to here in a second hilda (laughs) sorry but yeah so basically the next day when she sees cormac he's like um, you know, I have to like convince people extra hard, especially now that your scent has changed. So that was the first indicator that people could smell hunt on also, her. So embarrassing. I think I said this before, but can you imagine people being able to smell everyone you're with? <laughs> or so smell what you're that feeling. Night, rune. Awkward. Yeah, that's also embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the people because like it would be like straight anxiety 24-7. <laughs> Do you smell my rage? I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Sorry. 
So the same night that they're having that mate conversation, Rune meets Day on their mental bridge and he tells her about the Reapers because as we know, she was able to wake him up while the Reaper attack was happening. And then she gives him the intel that the attack on the spine is ready to go and the mech suit prototype and 50 crates of brimstone will be on board so the ophian which are the rebels are planning to attack this train and gather all his ammo and the tech suit and she tells him that they want to just they should destroy it don't even bother trying to like steal it and then he starts asking about pippa and she starts to get a little suspicious like why are you asking about pippa also why are you using her full name and so that conversation kind of ends as it is so rune the next day relays that information to the gang and that's the same time that cormac confronts Bryce about her scent. Ugh, still gives me the full body shivers. Um, so Ethan and Rune go to Cormac and they relate information to an agent. That same agent turns around and says that the Steri believes Emil is in Crescent City and that they're going to be sending the Hinds and the Dreadwolves here to hunt him. After they meet with the agent, they're hanging out in the alleyway covered in shadows and they're having this discussion and none other than Mordok, Mordok? Mm-hmm. Mordok, Mordok, who Mordok. is the Heinz second in command, shows up and we find out. So Ethan immediately tenses and he's like, oh my God. And they're like, well, has he ever been in your presence for him to send to you because he's a hound and he has really good smell? And Rune is like, no, I've never met him. I've only heard of him. And Ethan says, oh, I have met him. He came to the den because big bomb drop. It is Danica's father and that they Who's share Danica? a trait. Danica, <laughs> god damn it. I so I found this so interesting because I always wondered who is Danica's father? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy, baby girl? And like what are the circumstances that those two got together? Because Mordok seems like a psychopath. And Sabine, while Sabine. also crazy. She's she got that seemed, level of psycho. Right. Like she's just if he's a she's ten, like, she's like a four. Maybe a six. Sabine definitely gives me like mean girl bitch vibes. And then yes. Mordok is straight up like this. He is psycho. Like sadistic. Like, mental said later, institution. He like ate a fake couple just because he was pissed about something else. Like ate them. Oh, he was pissed because he came to see Danica and she told him she wanted nothing to do with she him. And then him. he returned back to Sandriel's um, home and ate a human couple for fun. So like, like yes. What? So I need to know the circumstances in which they got together. Is it an arranged thing? Was it a drunken night at a bar thing? Like I just need to know how this happened for my own my own head cannon. You know, she thinks she's better than everybody else. So I really hope it was like a drunken mistake because that sounds would be like, like Hilda. A- <laughs> Hilda thinks the same. So we shall see. So they share a trait, Danica and Mordok, and they are both what we call a bloodhound which is something that Bryce found out earlier in this book about her best friend who likes to keep all the secrets from her. And he's a bloodhound with like an amazing memory also because he'll smelly smell, but he remembers them. So like he's a tracker. Yeah. Right. But like you think you're smelling – like how many things are you smelling a day when you're walking down this disgusting alley in Crescent City? You know what I mean? Like there's pee, there's vomit, and we're like, oh, there's my friend Ethan and there's Carmack. You know what I mean? Like how are you differentiating? Like that's just a lot of things in your memory is all I'm saying. Yeah. It's so like you- a weird memory bank and I wonder how they file it. Yeah, well, maybe his memory banks are just so full, so he's got, like, nothing else for brain cells, and that's why he's just crazy. You mean why he has the emotional capacity of a teaspoon? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so Cormac immediately teleports him out of the alley, and they, he takes him to a bar so Rune and Ethan can have an alibi about where they were during the time of the drop or the, you know, intel switch. 
Um, yeah, like the spy meetup. So Cormac yeah. can drop off the information. Not so the while drama. they're at the bar, we get a visit from none other, Lydia the Hine, and she has the harpy in tow. And she shows up and she's like, oh, you know, I wanted to meet my sister's fiance, who is Rune. So this is Hypaxia's sister and also the bad bitch that everybody's afraid of because like she's like bitch. crazy. Um, and she hunts people for fun. Like notorious spy torturer. Yes. She drops facts that she um, is well aware of what Rune has been doing in the past couple of days. She's like, I heard that you stayed at your sister's last night. Where's your sword? And, you know, he starts getting suspicious. He's like, do you see me? Like, I don't know what this is, but I'm not enjoying it. And he kind of shuts down um, whatever she has to say left and right. And then she drops the fact that Ethan is still in love with his brother's girl. So Ethan has been in love with Bryce this entire time and we know Bryce is his brother's girl before everything happened and so he's always kept that on the down low so when this is revealed he immediately tense up and he gets aggressive so he kind of t- shows his hand a little bit while doing that now did you think because I immediately thought I mean, that's like a deep down thought like I was his brother's girl he wasn't voicing this to anyone and so I have to wonder what kind of power the hind has which makes her a really good spy breaker that she knows these things because i feel like like the bloodhound can smell your powers or smell you know smell people so i wonder if the hind has some kind of similar superpower that enhances her she can just like see see things i don't i'm not sure i wish it's like, through you I, you know I wish it was that clever, but I think in the passage, she actually says that she went through a whole bunch of emails between Oh, was it? And she saw the emails between her and Bryce, and she could <laughs> Never like, mind. tell like, the underlining. It was but like, I still feel like there's something lusting else. for her. Fine. Maybe there's a logical reason for her to know <laughs> why Ethan was so like puppy-eyed over her. But you I know feel when like I later, first well, later on, there's some them. kind of allusion to her knowing things and like, how do you know this? Or maybe I just- Maybe she went through emails again. I don't know. Could be. When I first met them, he, he was like super flirty to Bryce and like, you better be at my next game and so on. And I was like, oh, who are you? But then I found that he was Connor's little brother and I was like, okay. So that was my first impression. I was like, oh, he kind of seems like he's flirting with her a bit because he wants her to like show up at the game. You better be there, Bryce. Okay. So while all of this is happening, um, the Heinz and the Harpy end up leaving. So we cut back to Bryce. And so Bryce and Hunt are on their way to the bone quarter. As they're leaving, Baxian surprises them. Again, he's like, hey, you, I see you. What are you doing? Um, and they're like, oh, we're going to go see the Under King, hoping that maybe he won't believe them. And he goes, you guys are the stupidest humans I have ever met or the stupidest people I have ever met. And then he pieces out. So he keeps doing this weird thing where he shows up and he disappears and he shows up and he disappears and we really don't know what he's up to. We find out later, though, in a big, 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 big way. Big um, can I just say, so I listened to the audiobook again with this, and I really love how Mordok, the high, I just really love the accents that are given to these characters that I never thought they had. So like Baxian, when you listen to him, sounds like, hello, governor. Like he's that that kind of accent when he talks. And I just- He has a Cockney accent. Yes, there is a Cockney accent. He's like, what are you two up to? You know, like that kind of thing. And I really got a kick out of that. And again, I said, Cormac was Scottish. So like, I really enjoyed that. Like, the audiobook woman, I forgot her name, but she does – she does a great job. I really thought he was going to sound like Puss in the Boots. <laughs> Antonio like Banderas. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. You two are the <laughs> stupidest idiots. <laughs> it would have been something fun. I don't know. That's what I was picturing. You are a stupido. <laughs> 
So when Bryce and Hunt get on this little boat and they show up into the bone quarter, she's immediately shocked because this is not what she saw the last time. So when she made the drop, the underking showed her the pack of wolves, the den of vipers. What's their name? Pack of devils. Pack of devils. The pack of devils. The den of vipers. So she we saw a vision of them. When you weren't reading DC2. Oh, for sure. I have a very wide range of books. And if you ever want to talk smut everything into contemporary, I've got you. <laughs> so she shows up and she's shocked because what she thought was the bone quarter is not actually the bone quarter. She expected them to be in like this green, luscious, meadowy looking place. And what she found was a very dull, misty, dry, gray area that kind of looked like something straight out of a movie like. It, it looked like it was dead. The entire place was dead. So as they're walking around, they're looking for a meal. The underking shows up and he tells Bryce, you are not allowed here. Because as we know, she sold her soul spot for Danica's. Um, and he is pissed that she is there. So uh, we find out a lot of information in this little like five minute conversation that they have. So she confronts him about the Reapers and he claims that he did not send the Reapers and that um, she should believe them if they said the Prince of the Pit sent it. And she still, like, doesn't believe at all. And then he's shocked to find out that she was able to kill one of them using the sword. Um, We also find out that the Reapers originally came from H-E-L, hell, not H-E-L-L. And they got to choose Midgard as a place to live, but they can also change their minds at any time on who they have allegiance for. So they, those Reapers technically could have come from the Prince of Pit. Um, and that they're also able to travel realms, which is a huge information to find out because that means they could travel bodies of water as well. She asked about Emil. He says he doesn't have him here. And then when she asked about um, Lehaba, he says fire sp- Sprites and anyone that are considered lower caste are allowed in the bone quarters. Say, okay, that's weird. Why is that? So we find out that whenever someone dies and they go to the bone quarter, they stay there for a couple of years, as long as the people who were on the earth side, I'm going to say earth side because I don't really know which side, the living side, um, forget about these people or die. So their memory is no longer alive. Then they pass into the gate, which we would assume they're going to their happily ever resting place. No. Their souls are getting sucked back up as second light and being fed into the city as a power source. So when you first initially make the drop, you give a little bit of your power, the first light, into the city for it to be powered and have its everyday electrical functions or whatever. Turns out when you die, it just sucks you right back up too. And so this is a huge lie because everybody believes that they're going to their eternal resting place after they leave the bone quarter and through the gates. So... We also find out that the Underking likes to sample his second lights before they go over to the city. And he wants to taste Bryce because he never got a taste and she didn't send any of her first light to the city because she did the drop unconventionally at the gate. Uh, this part was weird. Yeah. The first this time I read it, it was a little going hard on. to process. Yeah. yeah. And I was trying to figure out what exactly was Underking because he didn't seem like he was fae or belonged to any of the houses. I know he has his own house, but Flame he tells her – that he um, is not from hell, but he hails from the void that birthed the Prince of Hells. So I was like, so you almost a demon, not a demon. Unsure. Even that, like the concept of you have your first light and then you've got a little bit left, which is your second light. And then it, I guess, which when you think about it, that's what Danica had that she then gave over to Bryce was like her second light. 
And then when she disappeared, like she's gone forever. She's poof. Yeah. Gone. And so it's just – it was a little hard to conceptualize the first time reading it. The second time, I think I understood a little bit more. But it's gross to think about. Like this man's just like, pass on by, dead people. You're delicious. You're delicious. Like, it's just – you know what I mean? <laughs> like I just pictured him with his little like uh, straw glasses going <laughs> – the wine goggles as he's yeah the wine by. goggles he's doing a, a just sipping right up like second line taster a little so then he tells Bryce that he wants a taste of her second light and he sends his hounds I think they're called shepherds on them and so yeah. they're this crazy looking beast and they're able to multiply from one then they at one point they end up looking like fluffy from Harry Potter That's and they're attacking of. her yeah. <laughs> And they're attacking her and Hunt and Hunt and her separate at one point. And then she's like, I got to go back for him. That's my mate. That's my mate. They started immediately calling each other mate at this point. And I was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. So in their battle between the two of them and these shepherds, um, Bryce decides that she is going to try something out. So as Hunt is throwing a piece of his lightning out, she catches, like she intervenes and it hits his her sword and that lights up and she's able to kill the monster, the hound, the beast. And then he was able to like hold on to the gate and steal its power into him and shoot it into Bryce for her to like light up and fight more of the hounds. And then they end up fleeing and they catch Therian on the way out and he gets them back to their apartment safely. That was a wild scene. It was so a wild sad. scene. And I think the important part there is that last bit. So they learn that Hunt cannot just distribute energy, but he can also suck it up and then channel it elsewhere. So Bryce's theory that she can capture the lightning with a star sword and then funnel it as, for lack of a better word, like a, I pictured like a flaming sword of power – and just knock through all of these, um, not demons, but, you know, like, bad characters. So we know they got this idea from the prince of – one of the princes. Right. Who said, you guys need to learn your powers. Work, you need to test your powers. And work together. Right. And Apollyon told them that when he showed up in Hunt's In their dream. apartment, right? In the yeah. dream, yeah. Oh, in the dream. And so – and it seems to me that, obviously – Hunt and Hunt can conduct or Hunt can charge up Bryce's power. Yes. Is what they can What do. we learn from this, right. Mm -hmm. And so she can charge up the star sword. You can charge up Bryce, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, like channeling his energy to her. Um, I really star. just pictured the Energizer Bunny, you know, the old commercial for the Energizer Bunny where you yeah. kind of like wind him up and he just keeps going with the battery. <laughs> Yes. That's them, basically. Um, so once they get back into the apartment, Hunt is called into work because he has to be present for the pre-mating meeting between Celestine and what's her mate's name? Ephraim? Ephraim? Celestina and Ephraim. What did I call her? Celestian? Yeah, I'm not sure what you <laughs> mumbled together. You've called, her, you've called her everything but her name. That's true. Celestina. <laughs> You were it was like celestial last time. I think you threw in a celeste somewhere. <laughs> My bad, but you guys know me by this point. I've been here for a year or something. <laughs> right. It's on no. brand. It's on brand. A girl has no real name. Let's be real. <laughs> a girl has no name. Well, you know, we tweak it for the situation because Bridget does. Bridget's a like, girl you can't are... pronounce names. It's more like it. <laughs> so he goes off to work and he 
um, is basically thrown into this little mixer and he tells Celestine, am I saying her name right? <laughs> Let me go back to my Lestina? word doc. Celestine? Celestina. Let me go update your notes right now. <laughs> she goes back to meet the archangel. <laughs> and it's a little mixer between her people and his people. And, you know, he tells her, whatever, however you feel, I know this isn't the best situation because you're basically being forced to have his kids. Um, and this is a whole like breeding situation, but I have your back. So that was a sweet moment. I was like, okay, maybe they can be friends. Everything's going great with him and this mixer until he gets an SOS from Bryce. And he's like, I got to go. Bryce sent me an SOS. This is a serious issue. Isaiah tells him to go ahead and leave. And he has this handled. As he's sneaking away, the archangel, I'm just not going to say her name anymore. <laughs> she catches his eye. And I'm literally going through your notes like pissed. control F to find Celestine and update to Celestina. <laughs> She's seriously pissed off that he left. And then so he heads back to the apartment and we find out that Baxian is trailing him. So at the apartment, while he's been at work, the gang is there and they're talking about all the information that Bryce found out during her little trip to the Bone Quarter. And they're also finding out what was happening with Rune and his side of the gang when they were trying to get intel from the undercover agent and then meeting at the bar with the high and stuff like that. So everyone's all caught up. And in the middle of their conversation, they heard knocking at the door. And I don't know how all of these well-trained people did not even think to ask who is it or check to see who was at the door before just opening it up to a stranger. Yes. I was like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like if you were on my security detail, I would be dead and you guys will all be fired or dead. I can only assume like they were so distracted by what they had learned and distraught that they're like, you know, like when those moments where like you're talking facing one way and you're just like doing something behind you and you're like, oh, let me open the door. And then just we're like, oh, shit. Which is weird. You're not the pizza delivery man. Right. You're a stranger. Stranger, danger. But Bryce, before all of these people started coming into her lives, she never let anybody in her apartment. She was on high alert all the time. And now she's all clumsy and careless. Get out of here. So anyhow, someone knocks at the door. They open it. Boom. In comes Sabine bursting in. And she basically semi-attacks Bryce, but not fully on. And Bryce goes flying into her white sofa. And everyone kind of gets on guard. And they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? So she starts telling Bryce, regardless of what my father, the prime, said, you are not indeed a wolf. And you better mind your own fucking business and stay out of wolf business because that is none of your problem. And she's pissed that Bryce has been harboring Ethan, who was kicked out of the pack. So Ethan starts, you know, going back at Sabine and is he casually throws out that Mordek is Danica's father. Bryce is hurt. She's shocked and then immediately hurt that Danica, you know, Danica hid something from her again. So then she kind of realized what Sabine's initial fear is, and it's that Bryce is going to back Ethan to become uh, Alpha in the pack and take over her position because everybody else loves him so much and everybody kind of hates her. Really, Which this whole time, I feel like Sabine has been very worried about her, her value position. to the pack versus what everyone else brings. And it honestly seems like everybody else is a better choice than you. You know what I mean? Like, she's got this chip mm-hmm. on her shoulder that everyone's better than her. Which yeah, they are. well, she could manifested be. that into existence. So while they're having this entire thing, could be, the front door is still open. So Hunt shows up and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And Sabine turns around and she looks beyond Hunt and she sees Baxian. And then she hightails her ass out of there and we're like, oh, 
you know, she doesn't want to get electrocuted by um, Hunt. I wouldn't either, but we come to find out later it's because of Baxian, and then we find out what was going on with them. So the next day, Hunt goes back into work. He also, is mentioning, in, again, that Baxian just shows up in a time of need. He's like, he, I thought you could use some help, and what we were doing before was batshit boring, and I was like, I, I thought you could do. use some help. Still hear him in um, <laughs> what he is. <laughs> the male my fair lady. <laughs> Too funny. So the next day, Hunt goes back into work, and he gets called into the Archangel's office, and she is super pissed at him. And she ends up asking him what happened. Um, He tells her that Bryce was in trouble, but everything's fine. Everything is okay. There was an incident, but it's handled. And she punishes him by saying that you have to stay in the barracks for two weeks. And so the night before, they had agreed, him and Bryce, that they were going to rent a hotel room that night. Or maybe it was the night before and finally have sex. Obviously, it does not happen. And the cock blocking continues. Continues. I'm fed up at this point. Also, can we talk about her vibes? Because she was giving off very much like Archangel Lover vibes. Can't pronounce. Celestina. There we go. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Someone updated my notes. It was me. Celestina was giving major like scorn lover vibes and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, why are you so hurt about this? It's like you when it, he she was treating him like we've been longtime BFFs and you bailed on me when I needed you. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like I just met you like three days ago. And I still think it's a little creepy that she like went out of her way to like try to buy him when he was a slave to those other archangels, but failed. And then she spins this tale about her best friend being Sahara and is it Sahara? Shahar. 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 Wow. Names and me are not a thing today. You got um, some so of the letters right. So proud True. of you. True. This is what you get for just like immediately making up new names in my head when I'm reading. So that was weird. Um, and then when he leaves the office, he runs into the hind and the hind starts doing her thing where she drops info that she knows who he's friends with. And again, how he's kind of like, know? what the fuck is going on? He basically Shows no fear, and he tells her to fuck off kindly. Ethan, you know, after finding out all that information about Second Light and his brother and the Bone Quarter, he's still very worried. So he goes to Therian and is like, hey, I want to go see my brother. Take me to the Bone Quarter. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not a good plan. Let's go to the Mystics, which is an even worse plan, but we're going to go anyway. So they collect Bryce because they know Bryce would be pissed if she's left off. And she tries to convince them the entire time, this is a stupid idea. Let's not do this. Not just um, stupid, but she's like, this is a dangerous idea. Like, this is not not something that we should be doing. And it's so dangerous that when they were trying to solve the whole who killed the pack last year and who had those demons, the option of going to the mystic came up, but it was too dangerous. So the fact that they're going over there for Connor, all right, cool. Nothing good can happen. So they show up, and I'm picturing very much like Frankenstein layer here. and Like a medieval – not medieval, but like a scientific lab. Yeah, where it's like stone walls. and oh, it's Like a, a dungeon. Like, yeah, very scary, very strange. Um, it turns out to be like this old man. I'm, he, he's kind of like an astr- astronomer, I think. Yeah, they, they call him the astronomer. That's his name. Mm-hmm. He takes the payment. He says, I can contact Connor for you, no problem. So the astronomer has three mystics, one female, one male, and one of both. And they're each in their own little cylinders. And so he powers up the system. It's half magic, half technology. And the mystics are going to use their powers combined to be able to contact the dead. And they asked specifically to speak to Connor. There was so this gave me two immediate pictures in my brain. 
One, it gave me um, like a matrix when they like plug in to those systems and like oh, yeah. physically their bodies are there, mentally they're elsewhere. And that's kind of how these mystics live. And then I don't remember if anyone knows this movie from Tom Cruise, The Minority Report, but like they mm-hmm. use – this is like old. But they use <laughs> these oracles, like mystics that were in a tank like this to predict crimes and then would arrest people before they – did the crime like to prevent people from dying so it reminded me of the same same situation we're in this tank physically we're here mentally we're elsewhere yeah it was a very weird time but so as they're trying to contact connor they get intercepted by another prince of hell um thanatos this one yeah, and he's a complete fucking asshole. He is the Prince of Ravine. So while he's there, he's chit-chatting away, and we find out the shepherds that we met in the Bone Quarter who um, Bryce killed um, was actually his creation, and he was pissed because they played double agent for him. And so even though they serve the Under King, they also serve him, and that is his connection to that ground. Um, they also find out that Connor is still in the Bone Quarter, and everybody has been told to leave him alone. Like, he's not to be touched until further notice, and they he wasn't able to say who made that call. They ask him about a meal. He's like, I have no clue that is, but I am bored of this questioning. And then he... Peace is out. We think he's out, but he actually snares one of the mystics and almost kills him. And Ethan jumps into action and he saves all three of the mystics and pulls them out of the water. And the female mystic starts begging to go back in the water. And it's very strange. I felt really bad for her, but I also felt bad for him because he's like, I don't understand what I did wrong. Like, I just saved you and you're crying to go back into the water. And you're basically, you are a slave because you were sold to the astronomer. Um, also just wanted to call out that the astronomer has, uh, a couple rings on his hands and we come to realize that there are little creatures in there and it turns out to be fire sprites and, you know, Bryce is already like, I got eyes on you. I know what you have in your hand. Yeah. She's like, um, those are little Lahabas in there. I have to free you. Yeah. I was like, free those people, free those sprites. Yeah. Um, as they're fleeing slash, you know, casually trying to leave <clears throat> the mystics, Mordok, our bloodhound, finds them and he's like it's kind of early in the morning for you guys to be causing trouble so then i was like on high alert because this guy keeps showing up and i think he's tracking them but we don't know for sure so declan um tells them later that day or the next day who knows time is weird that they finally caught danica or danica snooping in the library underneath the gallery and so they find out she was looking at a book called it's it was genealogy like the, of wolves or something. Yeah, it was some kind of, yes, genealogy it's book. the wolves through time, a lineage of shifter. And so she took a picture of the front what page they saw in the, I know. <laughs> they, some um, light reading. <laughs> like, what a snooze fest. Some casual reading. So they called Jessica and they ask her about it. And immediately, like in 30 minutes, Jessica sends the book to them. And they find out that it's basically her heritage. And there's people's names in there who they've never heard about. And Bryce decides that, you know, time to go to the source. She has to go to the prime to talk to him to figure out what he knows. So Bryce pays the prime a visit and he tells her that they did terrible things in the first war. And he also mentioned that even though they're called themselves free wolves, they actually have an Asteri collar around their neck. And he says that how their people are so far from where they first were, they have no clue how to get back to it. And she ends up asking him, is that what Danica was trying to figure out? So we're still trying to figure out what was going on with Danica. Is she was working with the rebels 
we know when they had asked Sabine when Sabine came to their apartment, Sabine said, no, she's not. Um, and so a lot of things are still unclear. And before he goes back into his cloudy haze, because you know he's an old man and he he's kind of sick. I don't know if he's sick he, or not. I think he's just he's old. He's just maybe old a little and his senile, maybe a little bit of dementia. So she also tells him that, you know, talk to your daughter because your daughter kicked Ethan out of the pack and he's been living with me. And you can tell that he was shocked to find this out information before his face went hazy, his eyes clouded over, and then she kind of lost him. So she dipped out of there. Also, some female wolf came to attack her. So yeah, well, she kind of like took that as a cue and then everything was kind of like about to happen. So she hops on out. Meanwhile, Ethan was still feeling some type of way about you know, the mystics. So he goes back to the astronomer at some point and he finds the female mystic that he was talking to um, that was begging to go back into the tank and realize that she's a wolf and she's an alpha wolf. And now he feels obligated to protect her and take care of her. You know, that primal shit that, you know, these magical beings have. Mm-hmm. And he's so pissed he can't take her with him when he leaves. So he decides to steal the rings because the astronomer is somewhere else. He's on a call. The astronomer is trying to repair her tank. That's why she's not inside. Oh, Um, yeah. And that's why he's not there mm because he went somewhere to get it. So he steals the rings and he goes back home and him, Declan, and Flynn, who were at the house, crack it open and they find three fire sprites and a dragon. Fun times. So reverse, reverse. Now we're going back to Cormac. So Cormac was found out. McCormick Spice from listeners of part one. Yeah, Cormac McCormick Spice um, finds out that through his intel that the spine was successful and Ofen was able to successfully take the ammo and the, the mech suit prototype to an island that's about two hours away from Crescent City. And he is telling the gang that they need to get there before Pippa gets there because he needs to warn them that Pippa is batshit crazy and she's going to kill everyone that is veneer just for the sake of them being magical and that she has no mercy and she's not just trying to kill the bad people. So the gang is like, all right, time to get together again and go on this mission so bryce goes to the archangel celestina so proud of you i think you're like two for 27 right now vast improvement (laughs) yes yes so bryce shows up and spins this bullshit excuse of why she needs hunt because she's gonna go home to meet her mom and her dad and she wants to take her lover with her so they can have final approval because they want to get married or some crap um and Brune is also coming with them and Cormac as well because they have issues to deal with and so she's like okay great I will pardon um Hunt for this trip but you know honestly like once he's done he doesn't have to come back because he served it and he's really just bringing down the overall vibe in the barracks because he's super moody without you and I was like that's kind of cute he's so mopey He's mopey and moody without his He's little moaning myrtle. The umber mode umber mortis is moaning mortal moaning myrtle. But he also is blue balls myrtle. Yes. Oh yeah, they also yeah. have like a spicy phone sex time. Yeah. Because you can't like, go there. All right. You know, we're getting all different forms of variation of foreplay. Before here. they actually do it. Before they actually do it, it only took one in seventy five percent of a book. Yeah. So I mean I guess they it's had better than um was a guild where we had to wait three books, three books for Commander Rip. Yeah, yeah, but that was totally worth it. <laughs> that man's dirty talk was like crime. It was great. <laughs> it was good. It was well worth the wait. Um, let's see. So they head over to the island. 
Pippa is already there. They use the excuse that Hunt is going to be inspecting the um, technology in the suit because in his previous job with Sandril, she used to send him over to steal suits from the rebels, rewire it so it would like explode before it got to the war and kill a whole bunch of the rebels. Poor dude. He has a lot going on in that head of his. So Hunt basically says this technology is a lot and this is super dangerous. And Pippa's like, okay, great. Everything's in working order. And then she hands off a signal to some people above and they immediately like fire squad, just like execute a whole bunch of veneer rebel sympathizer that were there working with them. And the gang panics. They're like, she's fucking crazy. We can't let this, this get into her hands. We need to do something fast. So Hunt decides that he is going to electrocute the suit and sets on fire and the entire area like kind of like blows up everyone's like oh my god they start attacking the gang the gang is fleeing they're running they're in the water now and so they're running from the rebels and the hind and her people are coming and they're kind of just stuck in the middle they're floating the hind shows up on a little wave runner and she sees them so she knows they are the ones behind this and they're trying to like think, how are they going to spin this to say they heard about the um, rebels coming here to the island and they were about to attack. So they took this little small unit to come try to invade and stop it before anything happens. The Hind, I don't really, really remember what she says. I just remember that she says some things. Hunt is like pulsing with rage and he told Bryce to like, wait for my command before you light up. And then the hind ends up dropping a stone into the water and then leaves. And then they go underwater and they're saved by a ship. Yes. So this basically this huge submersible city just comes and finds them and they say, oh, we saw your light. That's why we came. And so the entire time we're thinking it's it's Bryce's light that they saw. Mm-hmm. But I do want to add. It is right here at this point when she made a show of showing them the crystal and dropping it into the water that I knew who she was because the same actions were done with Sophie. And I was like, I got a feeling about this. I was still like, this girl's a bitch. But, you know, she even said something like, oh, I did this with Sophie. I'm going to do it with you. Like, look how deep you're going to drown. And I was like, well, she made a show of showing it. I have to wonder if Cormac recognized this. Because as I mean, maybe not like he didn't know he well, didn't know he the first time, know. right? But, but I just wonder shot. like there was some kind of he was shot. He what? got shot. Yeah, he was injured during the um, attack. Right, right, right. But I mean, like I wonder if there's some kind of Ophion protocol that they have these crystals or like I, I don't know. I just wondered if there was some kind of way that he might have so noticed later in the book. The was. people that respond did say that like a few of the rebels have the crystal or something like that. That's how people like call for the ship, but I don't know exactly who has it and who knows of that information. Wait, so are we going to do the big reveal? No. No. Okay. Of who she is? I was just adding to say that's when I knew. That's when I had a very strong suspicion who she was. I remember I found out. I'm not going to say it yet. Anyhow. As you get to those points, just shout it out when you think you know. Yeah. So I was – Really trying to figure out what was going on here. I was trying to visualize what this was. Was it a submarine? Was it a ship? Was it like Pirates of the Caribbean where the Black Pearl just like basically bumps it out of the water and then goes back down? I have no (laughs) clue what this was supposed to look like. And it was really bugging me. So they go into this ship and it's called 
um, the Death Charger, the Depth Charger. And it is a fleet that is sent by the Ocean Queen. Ocean Queen, so sister to now the River we find Queen. Out, yeah, now we find out that each like body of water has its own queen. So there's the River Queen, there's the Ocean Queen. I think she has the biggest land, and it was very Ocean strange. Big. The biggest unknown things in the deep blue sea. Um, so they're getting an intro into the ship and what's going on here and that there are rebel sympathizers basically but not truly they work by themselves but in aid of them and this is the the ocean queen's ship and these are all the things that it can do and it basically has this cool like camouflage ability it was really cool a squid yeah blend and so they had some other capabilities where no one would be able to detect it on a radar and they wouldn't be able to see it even in person so it was a pretty badass ship really wish hunt could be able to appreciate it but he could not because this man was raging he was trying to just keep his power to himself but he was like snap crackle and popping with this thunder in his body and then after like they get the mini tour they come up into this this greenhouse kind of situation what do you call that the place where the garden is what do they call it okay we're gonna call it a greenhouse underground underwater greenhouse yeah a conservatory a conservatory and atrium basically that and so she asks the commander of the ship if she can, you know, her and Hunt can like talk it out in, you know, the conservatory because he has a lot of things going on right now and she needs to defuse the situation. And she's like, yeah, no problem. They walk in there and the commander's like lock the doors immediately. And I was like, oh my God, are they going to get trapped? No. She's like, they probably need some privacy. So Bryce's version of defusing a situation was you know stripping her pants and her shirt and her underwear and fucking the daylights out of hunt or i should say fucking the thunder out of hunt and the lightning and the lightning I the mean... lightning just zapped right out of him and into her <laughs> so we finally have the moment but wait 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 was the situation diffused uh i was about to say it was explosive and something exploded <laughs> It was not diffused, ma'am. It exploded. They exploded. Um, They had very, very sexy time. And as they finished in the grand finale of events, they felt their backs hit something else. And when they opened their eyes, they are not in the same room. And I was like, what is going on here? Um, Your girl, Bryce, you know, had so much power channeling through her from when she literally sucked it out of Hunt and teleported them into a different part of the ship. She shadow walked or whatever. She teleported. Yeah, she teleported. Okay, what so we can, a way to go. We can cut this out, but I because I, I don't know if I want to reveal anything. But like, did she teleport or did she winnow? I think it's winnowing. The entire time they say teleport, I think that's what they call winnowing because the way yeah. they described it the first it's time the same thing is the it's like taking two points on a piece of paper and folding it together, and that's how you end up from point A to point B. That it's is the, the same. same this description they use and like in the Avatar. stars and shadows yeah. kind of flying around them and everyone gets like Ugh. yeah yeah so that's why i just think that like you know in harry potter where they what is it they call they call the muggles muggles and um england and then they call it nomad in the u.s the u.s yes so it's the same exact thing yes they just have different terms for it because they don't know I'm just like huh who else has those abilities also, I don't remember when I saw these, but there was a lot of whole like markings on the floor and markings on walls. And I kept highlighting because I was like, why does this sound like something from Makatar? So after they have sex, 
um, the commander comes and she tells them while Cormac was being treated, he revealed that, you know, in his like drunken, like medicated state that Sophie, 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 Sophie. And he realizes that they realize that the Sophie they're talking about is the Sophie that they have in their morgue. So they were the ones that were called to respond to Sophie when she was in distress and when they arrived her body she was already dead so they have her in the morgue until they can head back to land to be able to send her body wherever it needs to be it was sad to know that she was officially dead because i think at this point i was kind of holding out hope that maybe Mm -hmm. she had gotten chains and like cormac really loved her and i was just hoping she was just tucked away somewhere and there would be some beautiful reunion between her and emil and this thunderbird power would like save save them from the asiri so it was a little disappointing to know she's dead dead i think i texted you guys when we found out she was dead because i was like damn it's it's real it's happening like she you did, did not you make did, it yeah damn yeah pour one out for her too she can be our besties um so when cormac bryce and hunt and rune go to the morgue they're kind of trying to give him a moment cormac tells him how they met and so on and then they realize that she has a series of numbers on her arm and they need to figure out what it was because she carved it onto herself as she was dying so we know this is important information they end up returning back to crescent city and they go back to uh, bryce's apartment everyone's still trying to figure out when they show up is it going to be all hell broken loose because they've been outed as rebel sympathizers are they going to be walking into war are their families going to be dead but they call around hunt called into work everything seemed fine everyone was continuing spinning the same lies and you know no one was suspicious and the hunt the hind hadn't revealed anything so Declan gets involved. He tries to run the information. They can't figure out what the sequence of numbers are. Vaxian shows up and demands to know how they call the rescue ship. And he basically says, whatever you guys are doing, I want in. And we still can't trust him because we don't know what really is happening. Um, So Rune heads back to his house. And when he is gone, Hunt confronts Bryce about sending Emil to the Viper Queen because someone made a comment during the attack and he realized that that Bryce was hiding stuff. And so he figured out that Emil was sent to the Viper Queen. And so they head over to the meat market. Turns out Bryce had hired the Viper Queen from the get-go to find Emil. And she basically didn't have any money. So she said, I'll give you one favor on me if you find the boy for me. And the Viper Queen's men was the one who was leaving the trail of bodies. When she went to the uh, meat market earlier with Juniper and Fury, she met with one of the guards and said, when I said find the boy, I did not mean leave a trail of bodies. So she warned them and they came back and told her that Emil was still hasn't been found yet and he was last seen at the Black Dock. So that's why she went to the Bone Quarter to just verify that he wasn't there because she didn't want him to end up there. So they finally meet Emil in person. He's super shy and timid. When the Viper Queen leaves, he starts talking to Bryce. And so we find out that, one, he does not have any powers. The only Thunderbird in their family is Sophie, who is dead. So Sophie lied to everybody and told them that Emil has done their bird powers, so he was valuable and people would be looking for him and try to keep him safe. So the entire time, Bryce was trying to save this kid from everybody else. Hunt is butthurt about it because he feels like this is being with his ex the entire time where secrets were had and she didn't trust him. So we find out that Danico was the one who sought out Sophie using her bloodhound gifts. And she asked Sophie to do something for her, which was to find this information that they need for the war. Um, After all that was kind of said and done, Bryce hands Emil over to Fury and Fury transports him home to Nadaros because now he is the adopted brother. So she basically set it up with the mom and dad and said, you know, I have this boy. He needs a place to live. I'm going to get him a fake identity and you're going to adopt him as 
your son and they're super happy about it. And the entire time they've been communicating through the postcards that she's been sending. So everybody thought she was talking to her mom trying to like make amends because they were fighting, but she's been like communicating with them in code. So that was super cute. And I just love how, again, she's five steps ahead of everyone because this she was her, like planned this with her mom. She got them on board. She got adoption papers ready. Like, I feel like the level of convincing they'd have to do via postcard is a lot. And I also just love that Randall taught her like a special code. So when she sent the postcard, it would just sound like normal chitter chatter, but it was actually mm-hmm. conveying a stronger message, which I just think, again, she's 10 steps ahead of everyone. I loved it. Right. And so- Hunt and her have words afterwards when the kid leaves. And Hunt at that point kind of realizes that like, oh, this is a kid. Like he knew it, but to see it was another situation. And then he felt bad because he was also kind of just dealing with it because the kid was super powerful. Um, So he was pissed at Bryce for not telling him. And then Bryce is like, you're just my lover. You're the guy I fuck. You have no way and you have no reason to say anything about what I do and when I do it. So they were at odds with each other by the time this happened. He returned to work. He meets with the Archangel. She immediately congratulates him on being mated because after they had their little wham bam, thank you, ma'am, now their scents have fully altered and they smell like mated people, whatever they smell like. He continues to spin the lie that he went to see the parents, everything was fine, everything was great. And she tells him that like your project when you get back here is to review all this demon activity and determine if Hell is planning something, which he knows they are. Um, He runs into the hind in the bathroom and she doesn't fully say that I gotcha, but she's also like, are you going to say it? And she's kind of like taunting him, but not really. So they kind of leave and nothing happens. So he's on edge. Um, so meanwhile, Rune is back at his house. He finds out about the dragon and the three fire sprites. While he is there, um, they decide that they're going to keep them, try to figure out a way to have them not go back as slaves to the astronomer and see if there's a way to keep them safe. And then while he's home, the queen of Hypexia, Queen Hypexia, his fiance finally shows up and talks to him in person. So she's coming for the mating ceremony and she requested Rune to provide a security detail for her because she does not trust her own people enough to keep her safe. So as we know, Hypexia is part necromancer. When she became queen, the witches kind of became pissed off, not pissed off, upset. Who knows if they're pissed off, but she's not safe enough for her to kind of rely on her own people and she doesn't feel comfortable. So he said, sure, I will help you out. If you are okay with unconventional, here's a wolf to keep you protected. So Ethan signs on to be um, her security guard. Which I was also like kind of like, LOL. Like, I think maybe she's she's good by herself. You know what I mean? Like, I think she's the stronger yeah. of the two. This like, just what? felt like we got to give him something detail. to do. So like, can she hang out with you? It's so bad. Like, <laughs> I know he's not the little brother anymore, but he's still giving off little brother vibes and he's supposed to be powerful. He's powerful enough that Sabine thinks he's like a match to be alpha and that's why she hates him. But anyhow, so he says, I will be your guard if you um, help me contact my brother because you're part necromancer. And then Rune also throws in the, hey, why don't you take a dragon as well? So she agrees that that is a fair trade and she will help him. And she tells him the only time she can do it is during the um, autumn equinox which is the same day as the mating ceremony. Meanwhile, we have Therian who returned to his queen, gave her a full report. She's so pissed off that her sister has an entire fleet of people of ships that are bigger and badder than the Omega boats. And she had no clue about it. She tells him, go back above, find the body, find the boy. And then when he gets back on land, Hunt is waiting for him. And he tells Hunt about 
some information about like the demons and they kind of converse about that. And then Hunt tells him, you're done looking for a meal. Don't go anymore. That search is done. He is safe and he is out of the way. Just done. Darian's like, oh shit, like I can't go back to the queen and tell her that I did not find this kid or find the body because Sophie's dead now and I have no access to her body. And so Hunt tells him, well, she doesn't have to know it's now. Doesn't have to know exactly when all this stuff. So their plan is he's going to like kind of stake out above for a couple of months and then go back and he's going to find something to bring to her to lessen the blow so he doesn't end up dead. So Therian is basically going to keep pretending that he's searching for a meal to kind of buy him more time. Hunt is knows Bryce is pissed at him from earlier and he is staking out her job and waiting for her to come out. And he realizes she's waiting to the last minute possible to leave. And when she walks out, he finds her standing there waiting for him, like leaned up against a car and everyone's kind of just walking around him. And he tells her that I have to do research on these demons and I need access to the Fae archive. So they go back into the building and they start looking up this information that um, the archangel gave to him to research. And they find out that, you know, these demons are coming in from the rift and they're kind of making their way through the land. And they're still avoiding talking about the whole situation with Emil and while they're pissed at each other. But they end up finally talking about it because she was kind of giving him like a foot job and not really... <laughs> She they was end up going distracting him. Distracting him. They end up hooking up in the in the archives, which I think is close enough to the library. So I thought Hilda would be super happy, but <laughs> she never made any comments about it. But you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't know. To me, that that was a scene that I was like, oh, okay, great. Moving on. Like it wasn't it wasn't a memorable scene to me. No, you know what I mean. It was just it was moving not. on. What was memorable though? This is where we find out that. Um, Bryce was contacting her mom and dad through the postcards and then yes. Hunt felt hurt again because she kept that from him and again, it was one is, more secret. Is he hurt? I mean, fine. He may be hurt that she was keeping this from him, but also he's also he was hurt. impressed. Impressed, but also hurt like, damn, man, she's really 10 steps ahead of me. Like, I am not as smart as I think I am. Yeah. She definitely pulled an alien on him. Oh, for sure. She alien his ass. <laughs> she did. So, I think that is all that we have for tonight. So like we said earlier, we realized in the middle of our recording that this is too much information and we want to be able to fully dedicate thoughts and feelings and time and recap to the latter half of this book because there's a lot of big, like we said, big information bombs that happen. We already got a couple of them with Murdoch, Danica's dad, and the Bloodhound. And I really think us getting into this latter half is really going to um, propel us and get us in a good place if we're looking at this as a refresher before book three. So we want to make sure we've got, you know, long story short, we want to make sure we've got enough time to dedicate to all the stuff that happens at the end of this book so that we are fully prepared when we launch into the third book. I was trying to think of the name, but I cannot. Um, is it House-, House of Flame and Shadow? Is it Flame and Shadow? Okay. Yeah. Host- I still only know this as CC2. I have no clue what this book is called. This is Sky and Breath, the upcoming book. Book three is Flame and Shadow. Right. Gotcha. House of Flame and Shadow. So this is Hosab. The other one was Hosef. You know? The next one? Hofus. Hey. Hofus. There we go. Flame and Shadow. That's right. <laughs> I was like, sounds like you're trying to say Akafa. Ak- yes. Akafa. So it's like Hoab, Hosab, Hofus. Huzzah! <laughs> <I know. laughs> it sounds like we're conjuring like Abracadabra. Hosef. Whatever it is. Maybe we can get Sarah to conjure up some more Akhtar books. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, so that is it from us tonight, guys. We'll catch you next time on part three. 
Bye. Bye. Bye.